Welcome to Mission Viejo Christian Church. Today, Pastor Mike Maiola is bringing the word to you. So open up your Bibles and listen in. Cool. Hey, there was a wedding by uh, two folks here at NVCC. They grew up, uh, one of them grew up here uh, through their elementary, junior high, and high school years and college age years. Got married recently about a month ago, month and a half. And I thought this was really cool. They put um, on the reception table for everyone there a deck of cards. And it says, all in. I like that for a couple reasons. I know what they were trying to communicate, that in this relationship, we are all in. Right? Go back, guys, to when you got married. Women, when you got married. If your husband or wife-to-be said to you, you know, I love you, but I'm giving you half my heart. No way, right? We're, we're all in. We are all in on that day. We're in it for the long haul. That's the way God designed it to be. And in the same way, relationship between husband and wife, it's so paramount. In fact, the Bible gives so many illustrations of this special relationship between husband and wife. Bible books dedicated to it. Verses, God makes the analogy. That's how much I love you. I want to have relationship with you, not because of what you've done or not because of what you didn't do and should have lived up to, but I just love you exactly how you are, and I want this passionate, on-fire relationship with you, and I want you to love others in the same way that I have loved you, and, and part of dedicating ourselves, when you made that commitment, if you're here today and you made that commitment to Christ in your life may have been some harvest crusade or someone invited you to church or someone had a cup of coffee with you at Starbucks and on a napkin they drew out the gospel and you, you gave your life to Jesus Christ. However it fared out for you, you made that commitment. You're all in. That means my spouse, my cars, my house, my kids, my finances, everything is God's. Everything is for yours, Lord, and I want to live for the kingdom. And if you haven't made that decision, I'm so glad you're here. I hope that maybe you take one step into that relationship at the end of this message and say, you know what, I want to give God a chance. I really want to do it God's way. Today we are winding down the series. Now I want to get a lot of amens here in just a minute. We're winding down a series called Thanksgiving. We were talking about finances and doing it God's way. And remember part one, we talked about everything is God's. He owns everything, right? That was really clear from the Bible. The second session was about how to get my finances in order so it honors God. How, how many here, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of here feel like in the area of finances, we struggle and we strive and try to get ahead and pay off bills and it just seems like we're constantly going uphill. Could it possibly be that we're striving and so much effort and we're stressed out and we're up at night because We've neglected God's principles of how to manage money His way. When we do it God's way, He blesses it. I, I, I don't know how it always works. I just trust and know and I believe. And listen, I'm, I'm not sharing this with you out of like a lesson or a Bible study. I believe this stuff. I believe the Bible's true. I believe what He says is true. And I have tried it in my life and it works. So I want to encourage you, today we're wrapping this up with, remember last week we talked about having our own financial plan. And listen, if you're single here today and think, well, this really doesn't apply because I don't have a wife and kids or a husband and kids, it does. In fact, more so for you. If you're, if you're 18 or 19 or 25 and you're not married yet and long to be married, hang on, brother, it'll happen. But I'm just saying this, financially, you don't have to go through some of the mistakes that our generation made. 
if you do it God's way first. And so today we're going to wrap everything up with how do I give my very best to God? How do I do that in the midst of bills and college fund and I got all these mortgage and rent and food and how do we, how do, we do all this? And God gave us such a clear way to do it. The only place in the Bible that I'm aware of, and I could be wrong, if anybody knows of anything else, come see me after class. But, I mean, I, I, I think it's the only place in the Bible that God actually said, test me in this. I dare you to trust me. There's a well-known pastor in Texas. His name is Robert Morris. I don't know if you've seen some of his material. Phenomenal material on we get blessed when we give. And it's true. He has a whole series called The Blessed Life. And so some of these notes and scriptures came out of that. I'm so grateful that I got to uh, be around and and some of that teaching to be able to give some really good food to you. Now, I want to say this as we talk about money. And if you're visiting with us, you're a guest we don't hobby horse on it. We don't focus on it. But I would not be a good pastor along with our other pastors on staff if I didn't give you good food to eat. If I didn't give you, I don't want to give you feel-good messages to make you feel good. I mean, I want you to be encouraged, but I want to give you some good teaching that says, you know what? We can do this. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do this. And we believe that God can do this. So some of this might hurt a little bit. It may feel a little uncomfortable, but, you know, just hang in there. We're all in this thing together. Remember back in the day when you were high school or junior high or college, I don't know, and you walked in with your backpack, walked in with your books to class, sat down, and everyone's kind of shuffling their books around, and some are putting books under, and you got in a little bit late, and someone leans over and says, did you study for the test? And you go, what test? Remember that? I have been there. All of a sudden, I start sweating. I start panicking. Oh my gosh, I didn't study. I totally forgot. God says, lady doesn't sweat. God doesn't have effort, doesn't try to make. He says, look, test me in this. Try me in this. I, I guarantee you, I will pass the test. God is saying that without a doubt. If you have your Bibles, turn to Malachi chapter 3. And we're going to spend a few moments. Before we read the text, I want to paint a little bit of a picture for you of what was going on in the book of Malachi and what prompted this guy named Malachi to write this book by God's Spirit. But I have a couple questions before we get there. How many here get paid once a month? Your paycheck is once a month. Just raise your hand. Once a month. Okay. How many get paid uh, twice a month? Okay. The majority of us. How many get paid once a week? Okay, how many pay don't get how many don't get paid at all? <laughs> Yay! There's other ways to get paid, right? But I guess the bigger question is, the bigger question this morning is, who are you going to thank first for what you have? I, I bet if we were to um, survey, you know, 100 people who live in South County probably, I'm going to guess maybe 80 to 90% of people would say, oh yeah, well, I thank Visa first. That's my first payment goes to Visa because we got to pay that sucker down. We got to pay that debt down, right? So we, we're really saying thank you to the very first payment that we make. The people in Israel, the people in Israel back in the day when this book was written had a lot of problems But for the sake of time, they had two major problems. By the way, Malachi actually means messenger. 
And God had a message for the people of Israel, God's people, and he wanted them to hear that message. Not only to hear it, but God wanted his people to respond to it. It doesn't do any good if we just listen. God wants us to be doers of the word. Is when we are doers, we activate God's power. We activate the presence of God when we obey him. The people of God were, first of all, missing it because they were somewhat obeying God, but they were doing it because they had to do it. Let me just share with you, that is the worst way to follow God. If you're here, well, I'll do it because I have to do it. Go to church, I'll take communion, I'll give back, I'll serve in the children's ministry. I mean, I'll really suffer, I'll do junior high ministry. I mean, I'll do, I'll do whatever it takes, but I guess I have to do it. I don't want anyone to do anything because you have to. I want you to do it because you love God. God's first, I mean, think about all the wonderful things he's done for you. He's given you the power of the Holy Spirit. He forgave all of our sins. He gave us a free ticket into heaven. That means when we die, we know where we're going. Not be- Amen, brother. Not because we're good people, because if you look at it, we're not good. Only God is good. But he gave us a free ticket to get there. I mean, it, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, all by the power of the Holy Spirit. Those are free gifts that are given. So why would I follow God out of obligation when he gave me so much? I just wanted to be response out of my heart. God, I love you too. So think about it this way. Everything you do, if you are a follower of Christ, if you love God with all your heart, everything you do is because you love him. And whatever you decide not to do because of the word is very clear, because there are things not to do in the Bible because he loves us, you do that because you love him. There are certain things, I will confess, there are certain things, and I'm sure I can speak on behalf of our pastors. There are certain things we would really like to do, but we don't do them because it'll break God's heart, and therefore, because I love you so much, God, I will refrain from this behavior over here. But I've just found there's a whole lot more do's than there are don'ts. And if I spend my time doing the do's, I don't have time to do the don'ts, right? So I just want to keep doing the do's, because God is such a good God. Now, Israel had a problem where they weren't doing the right things and they were doing the wrong things. But the main heart of it is their heart wasn't engaged. Their heart was so distant from God, they had become very religious people. They were into religion and rules rather than just loving God and obeying God because we love Him. The second violation that they were making is that when they had marriage vows, when they took their vows, and they, in that day, it was very different. By the way, did you know, and if you're guests with us here, if you got married in biblical days, you would take, sometimes, you would take, like, for some people, a whole year off of the honeymoon. Somebody say amen to that, right? Woo! Wouldn't that be cool? Whole year vacation, paid! You just get to hang out with your wife on a deserted island. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be great? That, that's, that's the way it was. And in those vows that they took as marriage vows... They were worshiping false idols in their marriage. And God says, I am the one true God. You worship me. Don't worship all these other false gods. You know what I found about false gods? Is that they fail. We, we, we eventually just get tired of worshiping these false gods. And they can take, a, take all kinds of different forms. Money, fame, fortune, things, possessions, people. I mean, we can get into all kinds of mess because we have our worship in the wrong place. And that was the problem with the people of God in that day. So instead of God saying, done with you, finished, I'm cutting you off, 
I'm going to dust all of you. He doesn't do that. Because God loves his people so much, just like us. I mean, none of us here in this room are what we ought to be. None of us should be doing, none of us are doing everything we're supposed to do, right? But God, in spite of that, continues to give us chances and he gives us grace and he pours over his mercy. And that's what he does here by giving Malachi. He, he gave the man of God to the people of God so that the message could run so crystal clear there would be nobody, absolutely no one in the house of God that would miss the message. So I'm going to turn to that now with, the, with the, just a little bit of the background into chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. We're going to read this together, and I just believe God has something great for us. God is speaking in verse 6, and he says through the prophet Malachi, I, the Lord, do not change. Well, we could stop right there and talk for hours about how good God is. He doesn't change. He loves us. He'll never change. If God says he's going to do it, he's going to do it. He never goes back on his word. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. You know what he's really saying there is, because of my grace and love for you, I'm not going to kill you. Because I've seen your disobedience. I've seen how you run away from me. I've seen how you rebelled against me. I am going to spare your life. It's God's grace and mercy. Don't let anyone ever tell you, well, the Old Testament is law. It's a God of vengeance. He just wants to bring fire from hell and he kills everybody. That's not God's heart. We see God's grace right here. Even in their disobedience, God is patient and he is loving and merciful. Verse 7, ever since the time of your ancestors... You have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Remember those things we talked about. They're not following God. Their marriages are all messed up. So here's what he says. God doesn't beat around the bush. God doesn't say, well, we really don't want the people of God to, to get you know, convicted. So we, we want them to keep coming. So we got to give them messages that feel good. No, God says, look, you've turned away from me. You have rebelled against me. But here's the hope. So because you've done these things, Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord God Almighty. But you ask, how? How do we return, God? What do we do? Well, every mortal rob God, yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you, God? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. So here's what I want you to do. Very simple. You bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, the local temple, the local place where we worship God, that there may be food in my house. This is the test me in this. I mean, I really think if we break this down, he's really saying, I dare you. I dare you to trust me, says the Lord God Almighty. And see if I will not, but not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so many blessings on you that you will not have room enough to store it. And it goes on to talk about specifics that God would does. I realize there's a context to this. I realize that there's a very specific time frame that this is following in, but the principle of it is still the same. Amen. They were blowing it with God because they said they loved God, but there was no action to build up their faith and their commitment. So number one is this. Tithing is a test as an act of God to trust God. It's, it's, it's to trust Him. 
It's not about the amount of money. It's do I put God first? The Hebrew word there really is translated ma'astrah, which means beginnings, first, ten. I, I think God did it this way because I was wondering, God, why did you do it that way? Why, why didn't you give us like specific amounts? And I know probably the reason God didn't do that is because he knew we'd make legalism out of that. We'd become so hardline about the amount. It's not the amount. It's whether we're giving to God at our very best, our first. So I, I didn't realize this, but um, 10 actually represents testing in the Bible. So I'm going to ask you some questions and you just shout out the answer, okay? Um, how many plagues in the Old Testament did God send to test Pharaoh's heart? Do you remember how many plagues there were? 10, yes, good. How many commandments are there? Yes, okay. And the answer to the next one is, okay, how many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? This comes from Numbers chapter 14. 10, right. How many times did Jacob's wages change in the Old Testament as a test to his faithfulness? 10, right. How many, how many days was Daniel tested? 10. How many virgins were tested in Matthew 25 of their faithfulness? 10. How many days of testing in Revelation chapter 2? 10, yes. And how many disciples were there? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you got it. I was just testing. I was just testing. What God is saying here is there's a pattern in the Bible, and he wants us to follow that pattern. Look, I don't want anything from you. I want something for you. I want the blessing and the favor of God to be on your life. And God says this, I dare you to give me 10% right off the top, because I guarantee you that 90% will go farther than your 100%. Listen, I found that to be true. I'm a living testimony that my wife and I, from the time we got married, we just give our very top cream of the crop to God. We give God 10%, no questions asked. How could I argue with God when he's been so good to me? I, I just can't. I, I want to be more generous to God. And God says, I'm going to bless you for it. There's a promise here. I, I, I want so much for you to get this. There's a promise for you. It might be monetarily, it might be financial, it might not be. Listen, if I really believe Jesus, if I really believe in God, then I'm going to trust how he's going to proportion the blessing, right? Let me fare it out this way. Those of you who have children, your, your children give some act of generosity to another sibling, and, and you, you want to reward them for that. And, and whatever the reward is, they're just grateful that they got something from you. And you know what's best because they're your children. You know what's best for them. Sometimes you give them money. Sometimes you give them affirmation and love. Sometimes you might give them a, a, a physical like possession or something, a, a gift. H however it works out, we trust him. He knows what's best for us. And he knows the timing of everything. So I thought tithing was Old Testament. It's Old Testament stuff. Well, that's true. But it's also, I believe, I want to show you this through the Bible, that it's a starting place for New Testament, New Covenant, New Deal with Jesus. See, I really think if God said, you must tithe in the New Testament, then we'd make that legalistic. We would make that like, you have to do this. But they knew in Jewish culture, when the Bible was written, that that was normally what they do. That was a norm for the people of God. Of course we give 10% to God. We just, that's what we do for God. But now in New Testament days, the last days, which we live in now, 
He wants it to come from our heart out of a heart of generosity and love. Which, tracking together here? Let, let me just show you this an, an analogy that um, hopefully will, will stick for us. Um, let's say we take that logic of Old Testament teaching. Well, the Old Testament was then, and we don't have to follow Old Testament laws anymore. Well, the, doesn't one of the Ten Commandments say, Thou shalt not commit adultery? Okay, good. If I follow that logic, I say, well, that was Old Testament teaching. I can do adultery then. No, I'd say, you're, that would be crazy. Uh, Pastor Brian, help me here. Um, give, me, give, me your, give me your wallet. Because the Bible says, in the Old Testament, thou shalt not steal. So we're in New Testament days. I can steal now. This is mine, brother. Hey, there's nothing in here. You knew. See, I asked Brian to bring your wallet because I'm going to use that as an illustration. Thank, give, give Brian a hand for him. Thank you, Pastor Brian. You see how, see how ridiculous that is? It's like, well, that was old law. This is new law, so we don't have to do it. Therefore, we justify. I can do whatever I want with my money. And God's heart is breaking. He's got all these blessings, all of these benefits, all these things he wants to pour in. And we're the ones actually that hinder that if I don't trust God. So number two, and I hope you're following this because, again, I want to give you good food. This is not because Pastor Mike said so. This is not because the church needs more money. That is not the motivation why I want you to do what we do, even as a staff and leadership. We give our 10%, but I don't want the, the kingdom of God and MVCC to be supported only by our staff. I want, us, I want this to be your church. It's our church together. If you're visiting here from another church, I want you to give to your church. Okay, all right. We're still here, still in the house. Which leads to number two, tithing. Don't want it to be because I said so. Tithing is biblical. It's biblical. I think some of us, maybe we just don't know. Maybe we slap a few bucks in the offering or give online, which is really cool. I love giving online. Now my wife and I do the reoccurring giving, our staff. Our leadership team does reoccurring giving, and it's just so easy. It's just always there. It's, we just give to God first. I think for some of us, maybe we just we don't know. So I wanted to show you through God's word how simple this is. Genesis chapter 14, verses 18 to 20. Genesis 14, 18. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of the Most High. It goes on to say, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram, which Abraham later would be, by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And it goes on to say, And praise be to the God of the Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram, watch this, gave him a tenth of everything. He gave to the priest, he gave to the man of God for the work of God in the temple. You say, well, yeah, of course, that was Old Testament law. Mm-mm. That was 500 years before the law was even given. Why did he do that? Because that's just what they do. That's God's people. They give back. They say, God, I trust you so much. I believe in your kingdom and the work that's going on. I'm going to give 10% to the the storehouse. Say, well, let's go to another one. Genesis chapter 28, verse 22. You might want to write these down. These are just good verses. 400 years before the law was even given on this one. And Jacob gave back a tenth of everything. Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. A tithe of everything from the land, 
where the grain, the soil, the fruit from the trees belongs to who? The Lord, right? It is holy to the Lord. Holy just means set apart. It just means we're taking this part and we're setting it apart for something very special. We're going to make sure that God is first. I love these verses. Here's another one. Deuteronomy 26, 1 and 2. Brought the whole tithe when you enter the land of your God is giving you as an inheritance and have taken possession of it and settled in it. Take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land the Lord God gave you is giving you and put them in a basket. Then go to the place the Lord will give you, uh, your God will choose as a dwelling place for his name. This talks about another place where they gave 10% back to God. And Deuteronomy chapter 26 verses 13 to 15, the same thing just over and over again. The people of God, this is the way God established it. I think God established it this way because it says in the Bible, remember, where your heart is, there's your treasure also. God wanted our heart to be with God first. Say, well, that was Old Testament. Jesus never said anything about tithing. <gasps> yes, he did. You want me to show you? You ready? <laughs> Matthew 23, 23. Now, Jesus is speaking to a very select group of people. These are the religious people who run religion, and I use that word religion as rules and regulations, in the Palestinian area. He looks at these people that are supposed to have the heart of God. They're supposed to be giving to the people of God. They're supposed to be a shepherd to the people. Their hearts should be soft and broken and being able to protect the flock. But instead, they're ripping people off. And this really ticked Jesus off. And he mints no words about this. He makes no uh, apologies. He said, this is how it is, but there's always a way out. So he says this, woe to you. I would not want Jesus to say to me, woe to you. <laughs> Teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you, 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 you that wear a mask, you that say one thing and do another intentionally, you give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Now here's, here's where it really gets good. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. In that context, Jesus is saying, yeah, you tithe, that's good, but you should be doing it from your heart. So yes, tithing is biblical, it's what I want you to do, but I want it to come from the heart. Not because you have to do it. So they were giving out of their spices and offerings, and, but it wasn't grace-filled. It wasn't filled with God's grace and God's heart. Which leads to number three. Tithing is simply a blessing. It is. It, it is. I just want so much for us to understand that it is a blessing when we say, okay, God, I love you so much. My pocketbook, everything is yours, God, and I trust you with it. In 2 Chronicles chapter 31, let me set another stage for you. I think it's really cool. Hezekiah is reading the scripture to the people of God. And in the middle of this, they are in an economic recession. Remember 2008? We don't want to go back there, but, you know, just take a glance at it. Remember a lot of people, a lot of heartache. I mean, it was a horrible time. People losing homes, their businesses, and everything crashed. My opinion about why that happened, because we overspend. 
We, we as an American nation, we overspend and get on this credit wheel and there's nothing to sustain. The bottom has got to fall out and that's what happened. I don't know if you heard this, but uh, Bono, the singer from uh, U2, he actually challenged President Bush, went to the White House, and he said, I want to challenge you to tithe our national income. I want you to tithe that to other countries and give back. I think there was some truth to that. If the American people, if, if the American government were to give back 10% and do what God told them, it might be a step towards a national revival. I just think there's a blessing that comes when we say, okay, God. Hezekiah was reading the word, and as he was reading the word, he realized in chapter 31, we have been wrong as a people. We have held back our funds. We have hoarded it for ourselves. We have said it's all mine. And instead of giving spiritual food back to the people, they were strangled, the, 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 the temple of God, they were strangled in giving good food to the people, to their children, to the youth, to all the things that they were supposed to be doing because the people had not put God first in their finances. So chapter 31, verse 4, he ordered the people living in Jerusalem to give the portion due to the priests and Levites so they could devote themselves to the law of the Lord. Let me ask you this. If you've uh, been coming to the MVCC, a part of the family, a part of the communion here, community here, and you have children, and they've been blessed by our children's ministry, have they been blessed? Maybe our youth ministries, you have some teenagers, their lives are turned around, or who knows where they would be if they weren't involved in our youth ministry, or young adults ministry, or life groups. Listen, if you've been blessed by this, it's because we have a staff, part of the reason, we have a staff that is able to give time to provide those opportunities for you to grow. Think about this. If we didn't have any offerings or tithes, our pastors would probably be delivering pizzas, part-time jobs, school teaching, and then on the fly, we'd have to f- figure out messages and how are we going to get the church moving? It, you see how it all fits together. There was a purpose and a plan of why God said, give me your very best and I'll bless you. Tithing's a blessing to you personally, and to us at MVCC. It just goes on in those verses 5 to 8 about giving everything, a tithe, the very best from their flocks to their herds to their agriculture. Everything is God's. And I love what the, at the end of this section, Hezekiah goes back to the priest, and this is the question he has. As the people have given mounds, they've given everything to, to the, temp, the work of God, the kingdom of God, He asks, are the people of God okay? And the priest answers back, absolutely. God's people are totally taken care of. They are blessed. They have everything that they need. Let me just set up a scenario for you. Can you imagine um, our our giving uh, uh, staff gets up and uh, talks about the offering and, you know, it's a time to worship God and we give back to God. And what if one Sunday we stood up and said, Hey, you don't need to give this weekend. Don't worry about it. We have so much overflowing. We don't need it. In fact, there was a time that Moses, in front of the people of Israel, he said, stop, stop giving. We have enough. I guess I'm the only one that thinks that would be cool for one weekend. I don't know. I just, can you just imagine the blessing that comes to you and the work of God and what he's doing? It's a blessing to give back. I know of a family here that's part of our life group, and I just I want to share their story. I, I am amazed at the journey that God takes each of us on. I, I never get tired of hearing the stories. They came here about 11 years ago, um, accepted the Lord. They were baptized. 
and they just came into the community. Their lives just were transformed. Uh, one of the guys was a very, very, just kind of hard rule follower. He just kind of, his family was just kind of afraid of him because he just, he was, the way he just set the rules in the family, there was a lot of fear. When he accepted Jesus, man, there was love and freedom and he just, he changed. He still held the law, but he was very loving and merciful about it. Just lives were changing for the better. They got involved in serving children's department here at MVCC. Little kids, husband and wife, they were serving our children. Then they got involved in one of our life groups. And I remember as they were talking about how Jesus had changed their whole life and they just were so better for it. Their marriage and their family and everything, it just got better and better and better. Well, during a time of difficulty in the economy, they, they, just, they were striving, working two jobs, doing everything they could to support their family. And they made a faith decision and they had already decided that they were going to give 10% back to God and trust him. And they made a decision. I'll never forget this. And I, I didn't really have anything to do with this. They just made a decision that she was going to stay home. And at this season of life, she's going to be a full-time mom and stop working in the workforce. Now, can I just say that that is a full-time job. Taking care, raising your children is full-time. Yeah, let's hear it for our, our moms. Woo! Now, why I share this with you is when they went through it on their budget, it didn't make sense. It was stupid. It didn't work. But I remember sitting and they were telling me, we trust God so much. We're just going to do this. Would you please pray for us? And our life group gathered and we prayed over them. Can I tell you, they still have their house in Mission Viejo. They still have food on the table. They have everything they need. They're doing wonderful. Yes, they've been through some bumps. They've been through some valleys. They've had some difficulties in life like most of us do. But can I just say this? I truly believe that they are still married, their family's intact, and they're moving even through difficult situations. They are getting through it because they put God first in everything. They might not have made it if they didn't put God first. I love God's word, and I love the way he responds to his people. And I just believe that God is in all this. Here's the commitment. When you came in, you received a small commitment card like this. This is for you to have. We're not checking up. You don't have to write anything down. We're not going to like send you a bill like, hey, you didn't make your commitment this month. I, I, I felt like, you know, the Lord was not going in that direction this time. All I wanted you to, this time, I wanted you to have this to really take this home and pray over it. Discuss it. Talk about it. If you're single, you take it to the Lord and decide, you know what, I, I, we're going to do this. And I'm going to commit and stick this in your Bible or maybe stick it on the refrigerator, whatever is easy for you. I will trust God with my finances. I'll trust him. Whatever that looks like, God, you got me. I will choose to give God's first and foremost. I will create a financial plan with my family so we don't overspend and get caught in the rat race of the OC. And I will commit to live within my means as an act of trust toward God. I think tithing and giving, now I'm going to say this also, if you decide not to do this, let's say you're sitting here, part of MVCC, you know what, I, no, we're not tithing. In fact, we're not giving anything. That's okay. You're not a bad person. You're not not saved. By the way, did you know you can never be saved more than you already are? The pastor in Atlanta said that. I love that. That's so true. 
So this is not a salvation issue. It's not like, if you don't do this, you're not going to heaven. No guilt. I don't want anyone here to walk out these doors and feel guilty. I don't want that because that's not God. I want you to be like, yes, we're going to trust him. We're going to do this. If you decide we are going to give 10% to God, we're going to do our financial plan, and we're going to make this work, we're going to do this God's way, and you decide to do that, and you come back to me in a couple of months and say, you know what, Pastor Mike, you were wrong. We haven't been blessed. We haven't seen anything. We haven't, we haven't been blessed at all. Can I say that we make a, well, I'll make a commitment to you. We will refund from the moment you started tithing. We'll refund your money. That, that's how strongly I believe in this. When we apply, when we activate the presence of God, he comes through. Now, that doesn't mean, again, we're going to get financial blessings all the time. There may be others. I look at it this way, this visual that God showed me a long time ago is these planks, these wooden planks. And we can't see the underground of the basement, but these wooden planks across the floor. And there's all these little gaps. And I pour just wood glue over it, you know, all over it. And it seeps down into the gaps. And it fills the gaps. But I don't see what's in the undercurrent of what's going on in the basement area. And that's how I see tithing. There have been times that my wife and I, I as we've just given back, I know, I just, I just know that God has filled gaps that I never saw. He always takes care of us. And I just, I want to believe that for you. I want you to step into this and just say, God, we trust you. Let's see what God could do. I just think Jesus made this so paramount and so personal, close to his heart. Let me illustrate lastly and then we'll be done. I'm going to ask uh, Pastor Brian, Pastor Tim, and Pastor Shane. Could you guys just stand up? You don't have to come up to the stage. Just, just yeah, stand up right there. Y'all look so good. You look so nice. All right. Now, let's just paint a, a scenario here. Let's just paint a picture. Um, I'm going away on a trip. I'm not sure where I'm going to be back, okay? But I'm going to give you, Pastor Brian, $10,000. Just going to give that to you. Right on. All right. I'm liking this illustration. Pastor Tim, I'm going to give you $10,000. Woo! And Pastor Shane, I know you're going to get married in a little bit, six months. You're going to really love this $10,000, right? Can we hear it for Shane, right? He's going to get married. Rachel's here this morning. Now, here's the deal. You can do whatever you want with that money. All I'm asking you to do is give $1,000 to take care of my wife while I'm gone because I'm going a real important trip. I need you to take care of Laura. Let's make this personal because I think we are the bride of Christ, right? So I call Laura after a few months and I say, how's, uh, how's Brian doing? Oh, Brian, he gave $1,000. He wrote a check for 1000 I got it like the first day of the month. It was awesome. So how's uh, Pastor Tim do? Oh, Pastor Tim gave $2,000. Yeah. Woo! Right. <laughs> So how's Pastor Shane? Well, Pastor Shane gave $700 the first month. And then the second month, he gave $400. Well, this is all hypothetical, by the way. I didn't pick on Shane. And then, um, honey, Mike, this month, he didn't send me anything. Now, I want you to think about this for just a minute. Let, let's just let this sink in. How would I feel? I'm giving to them. You can do whatever you want. I'm asking you to give my wife, take care of my family. I can tell you that I probably wouldn't, can't believe you guys, I'm never talking to you. I would, 
I would be very, very sad. I would be disappointed. I wouldn't cut them off, relationship. You see, thanks, guys. You can have a seat. That was, thank you. Jesus went away for a while. And he says this. I think this gets very personal. I want you to take care of my bride. Take care of my wife. And the Bible all throughout says what? Who's the bride of Christ? We are. We get the blessing of giving back to him as he takes care of us through us. So, no guilt, no shame, no have to. I want you to want to do this because we believe in the gospel. We believe in Jesus and we love him, which leads to number four, and then we're done. Tithing is a way of taking care of his bride. Don't you love that? So we get opportunity to do that. I'll make the commitment. I'll trust you, God. I will commit to giving my very best as, as an act of love and trust toward you. If anyone here needs any help with this at all, um, we are here at your disposal. To, we'll help sit down with finances, show you what we do, and just love to help you. We're not experts. We can help. We're thinking of starting a class on doing finances God's way. A lot of it came from Dave Ramsey. He's really, really good, but I just want you to be encouraged and know there's a safe place for you at MVCC to get some help. Amen? Amen. We're so glad you were able to join us today. If you'd like more information on this teaching or any other teaching, check out our website at mvcchome.org.